Welcome to the Gold Standard Playoff Preview Edition here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan, and this is going to be a waste of eight days. <laughs> you can get to him on Twitter, of course, at Adam Vingan, all that uh, positive, cheery optimism right there on the Twitter account, as well as the athletic.com, pay for good journalism. Of course, we've got a whole lot of stuff to get to today, primarily defining success or failure for the competitive rebuild, and oh, by the way, previewing an entire playoff series against the Colorado Avalanche, not the Calgary Flames, which we've spent probably doing each of the last few episodes, uh, of course, with what took place at the end of the season, the first ever four-goal lead given away. And oh, by the way, Adam, uh, finishing the year with their first loss after a lead after two periods, 31-1-2, and two, I believe, their final record with a lead after uh, after two periods, they had to wait till the very final game of the season to do that. Uh, obviously, we'll get into the goaltenders for Colorado. Darcy Kemper having a resurgence. Uh, get to know their coach a little bit. Where can the Preds actually take advantage of this matchup? There are a couple of areas. Uh, we'll talk about the goaltending for Nashville with UC Soros. We'll talk about the stars for both teams. The history between these two teams. There's so much to get to. Uh, obviously, the four games that they played during the regular season, I think probably, Adam, you would agree, very misleading when you look at that 3-1 and one record for the Nashville Predators against Colorado. So we'll sort of explain all of that today on the program, give you our final picks for the series, as well as the Stanley Cup. Now, we will be back after each game doing a little short form uh, for you guys to give you guys a quick recap and preview of the next game. So make sure you got all the buttons subscribed and following all that great stuff. We really, really appreciate all your support now. This is our second trip through the playoffs as a podcast, uh, Adam. So obviously, we appreciate all your support out there for doing all this stuff, which means you should go. Hang out and watch the games if you can't get in, especially for road games. Where should people hang out and watch the games, Adam? They should hang out and watch the games at Jasper's. That is right. The next evolution of the sports bar. Great happy hours for Predators games, however many we've got left. As you can tell, this is going to be a super optimistic podcast. We will try to actually sell you on how they can win the series coming up uh, in just a little bit. But go to Jasper's, everybody. Free parking, great food. Great specials for Preds games. You can get the gold standard pot. You can get the gold standard. I suppose you can get the podcast if, if you can get on their Wi-Fi network, but you could get the gold standard cocktail named after this podcast at Jasper's. It is a great place to watch any sporting events. You got the Grizzlies. We just had the draft, all kinds of fun stuff. So make sure you check that out. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Uh, all right, let's you want to just start with the, the, the goaltending. You want to start with your initial thoughts on the matchup when when they lose the game against Arizona and they fall behind the Stars. They finish as the eighth place team in the Western Conference, technically, which is very similar to, the, of course, the 2017 series. They're playing Colorado instead of Calgary. Do you have initial thoughts on that before we dive into all the details, or do you want to go right into the goaltending situation? I think generally, and I alluded to it in my introduction, um, that I am giving the Predators very little chance of winning this series. Um, the, the quote I referenced, the waste of eight days, uh, is courtesy of Calgary Flames coach Daryl Sutter, who a couple of months ago was talking about how if you are a wildcard team, you want to do your damnedest, I guess you could say, to avoid the avalanche in the first round because it's going to be a waste of eight days for that wildcard team. Um, and this will lead into the goaltending conversation. Um, if UC Soros was healthy, and we were expecting him to start throughout this series, um, I, I would still lean Avalanche. But I would give the Predators, what, what's the saying, a puncher's chance? Yeah, yeah, a fighting a, chance. Yeah. I would give them a puncher's chance. With David Riddick, I give them almost no chance. Um, 
I, I don't think I can emphasize enough the downgrading goal from UC <laughs> Soros to David Riddick. This is not Pecorine coming in. This is uh, no. I just want to put. It, let me. We'll we'll get into no, his, a lot his, of the Adam. His but. his goals saved above average for the season. UC Saros was third in the NHL. I think at like twenty three ish, give or take twenty two and some change. David Riddick was negative seven. So I'm looking at money puck right now in all situations during the regular season, and every website has its own formula as to how it determines goals saved above expected. So money puck has UC Saros at. 20.7 goals saved above expected. David Riddick is negative seven and a half. Yep. So yep. not good. I, you know, I would say I like David Riddick. He seems like a nice guy. I've actually never met him because of the situation of not being allowed in the dressing room and him not playing a lot. But for all intents and purposes, he seems like a nice guy. He is a sub replacement level goaltender. Yes, and which is which is so. Let's let's. I think everybody agrees with you, Adam. But the question is, and I believe this was Alex Doherty who reported this from A to Z that there was a uh, an ankle issue for UC Saros, and I I want to say he reported like four to six weeks. Um, are we buying that there's a an outside chance that he plays at all in this series? I, I am assuming that he's not going to play in this series at all. You know, I have not been able to nail down specifics. Um, as you might imagine, because of because of the time of the year, uh, people are incredibly tight-lipped. Yep. Um, I do know that UC Soros is with the team in Denver. He is not back in Nashville. He is with the team in Denver, which makes sense because that's where the trainers are and the medical staff, and he can continue to get treatment while they are on the road because when they went out west to end the regular season against the Avalanche and Coyotes, they stayed out west. They did not come back to Nashville. So it, it makes sense that UC would still be with the team. Um, as we record this on Monday morning, they are scheduled to practice on Monday afternoon. Um, we will see if UC makes an appearance. Um, yeah. But you know, it, it sounds unlikely that he will be available in the series, um, which I, I think... Um, I, I, I agree with you means they have no chance to win. Yeah. They, you know, the odds, yeah. you know, what's amazing. Um, so over on the athletic, um, we have, uh, we have multiple analytics gurus, namely Dom Lecision, whose last name I'm definitely butchering and I always butcher because I don't know how to actually pronounce it. And, and Shana Goldman, and they combined uh, to do series previews of all eight, first round series um, using Dom's analytical model. According to his model, he gives the avalanche a 92% chance of winning the series, <laughs> which if I recall correctly, I'd have to go back and read the article. But when I read it, I think he said that this is the most lopsided series his model has predicted since he started doing these previews. Man, it, it is, so, it is all, it is all tied an eight percent chance to win, according to that particular model. No, that that is that is the Saros effect here. Here's here's what my prediction would be. And again, I'm not getting into predictions for the series yet. We'll do that at the end of the podcast here. Um, I think you guys can all kind of guess where we're where where our heads are at on this because I do think there is a chance here for them to play very well. And I and, and we'll explain some of the areas where we think Nashville could actually. Well, again, I think they are a great underdog. I think they 
fit the role of underdog really well with their skills. And if they had UC Saros, I would not be surprised if this team won a series against Colorado, where Colorado has all of the pressure on it. But what I think is going to happen is they're going to get boat raced in game one, which again is Tuesday evening, uh, 8.30. By the way, Nashville plus 3.80 to win the series, Colorado minus 4.75. So a heavy, heavy favorite to your point. I think what's going to happen is they get destroyed in game one. David Riddick starts and, and they lose like five to one. And we come back in game two and they give Connor Ingram a shot. That, that's what I think is going to happen. And then it's just up to, hey, can we see one of those magical goalie rookie unknown things that happens in the postseason sometime? And that that is an, uh, that's like kind of the only chance Nashville has to be in the series. In my opinion, that that would be my bold prediction. There are two things that stand out to me. Um about uh, this series that could work in Nashville's favor. Uh, uh, don't go. Don't jump ahead in the rundown. Don't jump ahead. Okay, that's what, the teaser for later. There you go. What's the What's your um, final thought on what happens with the goalie situation for the whole series? Do you think they end well, up making a switch, or do you think Riddick starts every game and they lose 0-4? <laughs> I think that it sounds like so mean for us to talk like this about one know, guy, but it's but like not. It's not personal, you know. It's not personal, but the numbers are there, and they haven't been good. He has started, Riddick has, 12 games this season and has allowed at least three goals in 10 of those 12 starts. Um, that's and, you're going, and you're going up against the Colorado team that is top five in goals, top five or six in power play with an offense that features Renton and Landeskog possibly back, Makar, Kadri, McKinnon. Like, it's just absurd, the players no, it, that this, the Colorado has. I mean, my my gut tells me that, that Riddick is going to get the start in game one, again, assuming as we all believe that UC Saros will be unavailable. But I think if he, if he performs poorly, I, I do not think John Hines will hesitate going to Connor Ingram. Um, I, you know, David Riddick does not deserve a long leash. Um, if he does not play well, I think he should get the hook. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean they can't I, go I back agree. to him, but I don't think it should be his crease regardless of what happens in every game. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, what what do you make of how both teams ended the season? Nashville finished four, five, and three. Of course, we talked about giving up the the goals there against Arizona, the worst team basically in the league. They finished nineteen, nineteen, and five since middle of January. So basically, perfectly five hundred average for the last three and a half months of the season. I know you had some. Uh, uh, I think their record since the all-star break is about the same. I think it was, put that- I believe 17, 16 and three yep. since the all-star break. And, and, and Colorado wasn't all that great either. I think they were one, five and one down the stretch, but they had sort of clinched everything. They kind of were trying to clinch and, you know, they had a couple of guys out um, that are going to be back for this series and they were sort of getting ready. And, and defensively, again, this is where we'll, when we get to the point where we start talking about opportunities, they hadn't played great defense of late. What, what do you make of the way that each team played down the stretch? Is there anything to be made of it? I know NHL coaches and players will tell you that, and I think Greg Wyshynski said this on our show a couple of months ago. He said, look, there's no such thing as, as momentum. You get to the postseason and it starts all over again, fresh late, every single series and sometimes every single game. So the NHL covered this in this uh, in this uh, stats release that they did um, a couple of days ago. They were sort of looking at trends that people tend to point to in the postseason. And one of them was, is it better to go into the postseason hot? And their answer was, generally, yes. Seven of the last 10 Stanley Cup champions had a points percentage of points percentage, excuse me, 
of 600 or better in their final 10 regular season games leading into their championship run, including four who checked in with a 750 points percentage or higher along the final 10 games. So this is looking at the last 10 Stanley Cup winners, I think excluding the past two seasons because of the shortened nature of it. So I'm just going to, I'll quickly run down some of them. Um, Actually, no, it does include the the pandemic as well. I apologize. Um, and the, and the shortened season. So the the 2019 Blues went eight one and one entering the playoffs. The 2018 Capitals went eight two and zero entering the playoffs. The 2016 Penguins also eight two and zero. But you look at the 2020 Lightning. That was um, you know how much you put how much stock you put into that because of the fact that there was about a four month break between the end of the regular season and the playoffs. They went three six and one in their final ten regular season games. That's a three fifty points percentage. The twenty twenty one Lightning went six three and one. So generally speaking, if you're just looking at points percentage over a final of over a team's final ten regular season games, it does matter. Um, okay, all so, right, that's interesting. That's good data right there. So, um, what did you have the Avalanches? I, I believe I don't have their last ten, but I believe they were one five and one in their final okay. seven. Which, yeah. again, if you listen to the coaches and the players, they're saying, "Listen, we've we've sort of been in playoff mode for a long time now, and we clinched the division and blah 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 blah." And like, I, I this is one of those where you could, like, whatever happens in the series, you're going to look back and like use it to justify what took place, right? Like, I'm going to go back to our le- a, a lot of Predators fans' least favorite topic, a lot of cynical Predators fans' least favorite topic, 2017. I'm going to go back to 2017 because I remember the following season, um, you know, of course, the Predators won the President's Trophy. Um, the you know, Ryan Hartman, who was a member of the Blackhawks team that was swept by the Predators in the 2017 playoffs, I remember talking to him for a story I was still at the paper at the time, just about you know what the Predators could learn from the Blackhawks from the previous year about entering the postseason playing well. And um, and I remember Ryan Hartman saying that over the, I can't remember the, the time frame, it was at least a couple of weeks where the Blackhawks were not playing well. They entered that season, excuse me, they entered that playoff series against the Predators, despite being the top seed in the Western Conference, not playing well. Um, and he thinks that that played a role in the in the Predators beating them so soundly in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I understand that the, the 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 Avalanche have been sort of on you know cruise control to borrow you know to borrow a cliche for a long period of time. Um, so, does that work to the Predators' advantage? Maybe I, I doubt it. Um, but I do think there is something to playing well entering the playoffs, which the Avalanche are currently not doing. So let's get to the series matchup between the two. This was a 3-1 series, and I think this is a little overblown with a couple of, of exceptions because Darcy Kemper, again, if you don't know, only played two of those games, and his numbers were not good, a 423 goals against and an 870 save percentage, and he lost both games, gave up nine goals in his two starts against Nashville, um, and Nashville won both of those in, in extra time, I, guess, I believe a shootout and an overtime win. Um, I, I don't – like – the other stars, though, for both teams were relatively solid in all of these games. Like the stars were stars, right? Like Renton had four goals and two assists in his time. McKinnon had a goal. I think he was the only one that didn't like dominate. Kadri had a, um, 
Uh, he played three games, had six assists. Uh, Kale McCarr had two goals and five assists in three games. Um, uh, Duchesne had four goals. Yossi and Forsberg, uh, Yossi had two goals, four assists. Forsberg had two goals, three assists. So the stars for both of these teams played pretty well against each other. I don't think you can take anything from the series season. The season series, though, unless you want to look at the underlying metrics, which you have done. And basically, if you look at that, you're not like avert your eyes, not safe for work. If you're a Predators fan, when you look at slot shots and XG, which is your expected goals and offensive zone time, you start looking at all of that stuff. Colorado basically dominated all four games, Adam, right? Isn't that what the, the, the underlying numbers tell you? Especially the game that the Predators actually won last week in a shootout. So if that's if that's what you if you want to take anything from any of these games, so the first game was in late November, a six-two Colorado win. Um, that was, um, you know, that was a while ago. Obviously, then there was the game on the. Uh, so 16- hang on, hang on. In that game, they had seven. They were Colorado seventeen to nine slot shot advantage. And a three five six versus a one eight five expected goals. Basically, two more goals, more than pl- basically two plus more goals than expected in that game for Colorado, and they won by four. <laughs> yes, so that game happened. You know that that was that. I guess that was around Thanksgiving or, or very close to Thanksgiving. Um, then there was the game right before Christmas. I think it was the sixteenth of December. Famously, that was the game where. Carl Taylor coached the Predators, one of the games in which Carl Taylor coached the Predators. Um, then they played an overtime game in Nashville on January 11th. And then the most recent game, of course, was last week, April 28th. I'm just going to go over some of these numbers. It was a 5-4 Predators shootout win in Colorado. Um, slot shots in that game were 25-17. Yep. In favor of Colorado. Inner slot shots were tied at eight. Slot passes, 26 to eight in favor of Colorado. So they did a much better job of working the puck into the slot. Total ozone possession time, 857 to 703 in favor of Colorado. Um, expected goals. The Predators scored five goals. Well, I guess technically four because they got the, yeah. the shootout goal. They scored five goals on 2.17 expected goals. Um, and the Avalanche scored 4.27. They scored four goals on 4.27 expected goals. So they basically scored the goals they were supposed to. Um, so basically the Predators played over their head in that game is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Um, so analytically, it wasn't that close. Nope. And if you're, and so if I'm looking at a game to take things from, it would be that one because it just happened. Yeah. And um, listen, I – Again, we will we will make the point and try to. Uh, there will be positivity on this show, okay? When we when we when we try to define success or failure for the competitive rebuild, which we're going to do coming up in a little bit, and we look at when we look at why this team does have some opportunity to make a a series out of this, there is lots of stuff that we can sell you. Um, our predictions might be different, but there is some positive stuff, so we'll get to that um, uh, in, in just com- coming up in just a minute. But if you look at the analytics for the games, it, it's it's bad, and especially when you look at the goaltending. Um, what about the coaching situation? Can you kind of introduce everybody to, to Jared Bednar, who those who don't watch a lot of other teams outside of the Nashville Predators? Sort of, this is a Colorado team that has been in the playoffs, that has been building since basically that series against the Preds in 2018. Frankly, this is kind of 2018 inverted, right? Like the best team in the league versus the eight seed, a team that's sort of rebuilt and kind of rising, which is the Predators now. It used to be the Avalanche. They've lost, they've dominated the first round. 
but they have lost every year in the second round. So there is a lot of pressure on this Colorado team. Um, what do we need to know about their coach, Jared Bednar, and, and what he's doing right right now? Well, it's, you know, it, it's it's hard for me to to give you a, 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 a detailed breakdown of Jared Bednar as a coach. I, I do think, generally speaking, he is a, a very good coach. You know, the Avalanche have been among the top teams in the league um, since, you know, for the past four or five seasons. Um, you know, their first trip back to the postseason was that series in 2018 against the Predators. And, and since then, they've been one of the best teams in the league. I mean, I think when you look at um, the Avalanche's underlying numbers, you know, clearly Bednar has them humming along specifically on, on offense. I'm looking at SportLogic right now, which which we use to reference those numbers about the season series. The team, the Avalanche, are fourth in goals for, fifth in expected goals for. They are the best rush team in the league in terms of rush chances per game. They're also the best cycling team in the league um, at 12.2 cycle chances per game. They're a top 10 defensive team, both in terms of goals against and expected goals against. You know, there are very few weaknesses on this Avalanche team. Um, They are also... This does not bode well for the Predators. The best team in the league at drawing penalties, um, according to Sport Logic. Um, as we know, the Predators have a bad time when it comes to taking penalties. Um, so when you look at those numbers and you see how dangerous this team is, certainly um, the, the, you know Bednar is blessed with incredible talent. And, and we just listed a lot of the players. Um, that lead the charge for the Avalanche. But, of course, he's getting the most out of them. Um, and uh, I think he... I can't. I don't think he's one of Jack Adams yet. But I, I feel like it, it, it might be a matter of time. Um, I, I, do, yeah. I do think that he has, you know, considering where this team was, I remember, you know, after the Predators lost in the Stanley Cup final, they traded Colin Wilson to the Avalanche for, I believe, a fourth-round pick. And I remember talking to Colin after the trade, and I, I kind of he was going from a team that just went to the Stanley Cup final to the worst team in the league. Like, the Avalanche at one point, you know, it might have been that 16-17 season. might yep. have been the 15-16 yep. season. We're, like, the one of the worst teams ever from, like, a <laughs> points percentage standpoint. They were awful. Was Matt but Duchesne Colin, on that? Was Matt Duchesne on that team? Yes. Yep. yep. Um... You know, Colin Wilson was excited to go to Colorado because he thought they had a lot of good things going for them, and he was right. Um, And, you know, that speaks to the coaching job that Bednar has done. To answer my own question, he has not won a Jack Adams, um, but I I certainly think he should be in the running for it. Um, I think he's been a finalist, but not he has not won it yet. So... All right, we're, here's what we're going to do. Um, a couple other stats here for, for Colorado. As I mentioned, 2.86 goals against, 10th in the NHL on defense, but they've struggled of late. 3.80 goals for, that's fourth in the NHL. They have the sixth best power play and only 16th, 79%, uh, on the penalty kill. So here's what we're going to do. Um, game one will be on Tuesday, 8.30. Game two, Thursday, 8.30. By the way, that's ESPN and then TNT. And then TNT on Saturday when they come back home to Bridgestone at 3.30. And then game four on ESPN at 8.30, and then it's a Wednesday, Friday, Sunday next week, should those games be needed. And 
what I'm what we're going to do is we're going to try to spin all of this into a positive because there are lots of different little things that could say this is how this team could perform admirably well challenge Colorado pull an upset whatever it might be because it sounds like you and I are both pretty clearly picking Colorado to win the series and that we're not giving Nashville especially without UC Soros much of an opportunity here but there are things to like about this matchup if you are a Nashville Predators fan so we will try to explain all of those things and do some positive stuff. So we're going to take a break early. And when we return, we will get to all the positive things that could take place in this series if you're trying to find opportunities for Nashville. And then we will get into the competitive rebuild overall. They are the eight seed. They're playing in the playoffs against Colorado. What do they need to accomplish? You asked this last week on the show to define success or failure in the competitive rebuild. And we'll give you those answers. We'll do all of that when we return right here on the Gold Standard Podcast. The Gold Standard Podcast, Adam Vingan of The Athletic, Pay for Good Journalism, is brought to you by Jaspers, your neighborhood watering hole for to drown your sorrows when your team gets swept in the first round. Is that too negative? <laughs> no. no. Not too negative? <laughs> Do you think this team is going to push it to a, a fifth game? Are we going to see this team on Wednesday in Colorado? Are we going to see them on Friday back here at Bridgestone in game six? Where do you Are think we giving our predictions now? Do you want to do it in the ad? We should do that. See who actually listens. <laughs> yes, let's do it. All right, let's do our predictions. Go to Jasper's. Next evolution of the sports bar. Free parking. Great place to hang out. Great happy hour. Free game room. Great air hockey table. And no Steve Cavendish. You cannot trap the puck. That is completely illegal, whether the rules are posted or not. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's go ahead. If Saros doesn't play a single game, what is your prediction? Avalanche in five. So the gentleman's sweep. I will give them one game. And that's it. Is it game three at home or is it game four at home? I'm going to say it's game three. Okay. I I also like them to win at least one of those at home. I think they can push it to six. I believe the Predators have never been swept in a playoff series. No, I don't think so. They definitely swept the Blackhawks, though. That's happened. They have have swept. They have been the sweeper, but they have not been the sweepy. (laughs) Um, so I, I think that continues. I think the Predators win one game, and that's it. Um, this yeah. is again assuming Chicken, that UC chicken's Soros, done. <laughs> UC, UC Soros is unavailable. Um, yeah, or wow. even if he pulls, even if he channels his inner Willis Reed, which I know for, as a New Yorker, I'm sure you appreciate. Yes, I um, love that reference. If you do not know, pop in the tape of Game One of the 1973 NBA Finals. If UC Soros channels his inner Willis Reed, maybe they can make it a little bit more interesting. But no, no, have... no, nothing like a 1970s New York Knicks reference to get people in Nashville going about hockey. Well, when it comes in down to like injuries and players, you know, returning from injury, I think isn't Willis Reed like the example yeah, that everybody so, else references? So yes, he is. But what's fascinating about that is all he did is walk out in like the very first possession, knock down a jumper, and then like didn't play again. So, so that like, would be the equivalent of UC Soros. You know, shutting down the avalanche on a power play and then bailing. Yeah, like so. If UC Soros plays in game one and for, five he, for for like eight, yeah, for like seven or eight minutes and gets like two power play kills and then can't play the rest of the series and then somehow the Predators win on the back of Riddick or Ingram. That that would be the 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 equivalence. Um, but because it is to your point, I think he had like a broken leg when Willis Reed came out and, and did that. So it's like one of those where it's like to your point, it is the definitive 
did somebody grit their way through an injury to will their team to victory is, is sort of what Willis Reed is used as. I, I think this team can go deeper. I think they can get to six games. I think there are going to be two games in which they are not even close and they get destroyed. And which the, two games are those? I would say game one and game six. I think well, game one, game one and game six, they get they get absolutely hammered and destroyed, and we and we're going okay. That's what it's supposed to look like. But I think they are capable, and we'll explain a little bit more coming up in just a minute of of pulling a few upsets and actually winning a game or two. I think they. So can you do see that. this series, so so you see this series playing out a lot like the last time these two teams yes. met in the playoffs. So the so the Predators won both both games at home. They were up two nothing. They go to Denver. They lose five. I have the. They win five to two and five to four at home. They go to Denver, lose five to three. They win three to two to come back to Nashville with a chance to close out the series. And Andrew Hammond plays the game of his life. The Avalanche win two one. Then they go to Colorado and win five nothing. Yeah, that's so. so, you, yes. so basically, you see that you see this series playing out the exact same way. I, I think it is a carbon copy of that series. Even the trajectory of the franchises and where they're located. And the talent and what they accomplished this season, I think it's all inverted from 2018. I think everything is is flipped. And I, again, that that I never once thought that Nashville was going to lose that series against Colorado. But but Colorado, it's one of those where you tip your hat at the end of the series. You go, man, those guys played freaking hard, right? Like they gave us a challenge. They did this. They did that. I think that's what's going to happen. Is it's never going to feel like Nashville has a chance to win the series. They'll get one. Maybe they get two. But it'll never really feel like they can win the series. And then at the end of it. They are going to have learned a lot, which I think is we're going to talk about in just a second is very valuable. And I think that that there'll be some respect earned, if that makes sense, if they can pull two upsets and get two victories in the series, which I think is very easy if it, we're talking about hockey here. So all it takes is like one good performance from Connor Ingram and all of a sudden they get to <laughs> they, they, they get to a game six. So, uh, yes, I think it's very much similar and inverted and go to Jaspers to watch all of those games. If you can't get tickets or not, you're not going to fly out to Denver. Um, you know, go to Jasper's because you get you can park for free and get some drink specials for beer and burgers, and you got all the cool stuff over there at Jasper's. So, and if you didn't listen to our predictions, that's you, that's a you problem. That's a you problem. Rate, review, subscribe, click the buttons, and support Jasper's. Listen to the ads. You never know what you're going to find, right, Adam? Go to Jasper's, everybody. Go check it out. All right, we'll get to defining success on the competitive rebuild here, Adam, in just a minute. But there are plenty of opportunities. Little little nuggets, little little areas of this series in which I think Nashville has an opportunity to make it very difficult on Colorado. Now, if you'd like our full predictions, I recommend not skipping the ads. How about that? Um, all right. A couple of areas of opportunity. We just mentioned how Colorado wasn't playing particularly well. I think the pressure factor here, Adam, plays a big role because Colorado, while they've been great in the first round, they have all of the pressure in the world on their shoulders in this series. There is This is what makes Nashville a good underdog, in my opinion. There is no pressure on this Predators team. No one thinks they can do anything. No one thinks they can win, much like 2017. And, and there are a lot of expectations for Colorado to get through not only this round and the next, but to a Stanley Cup final. We saw Tampa Bay come in with a ton of expectations. to get swept by Columbus a couple of years ago. I just think the pressure is number one on my list of if, if Darcy Kemper – you know, kind of succumbs to the pressure and these guys play a little out of control and they're maybe not as disciplined looking at you, Kadri. I think there's a chance that the pressure allows Nashville to play loose and fast and physical and it, and it forces Colorado to play tight. I think that's an opportunity that maybe Nashville could take advantage of. I think that's a popular, I think that's a popular take. Um, 
as we mentioned when we were discussing Jared Bednar, the, the Avalanche returned to the postseason in 2018 when they played the Predators, the President's Trophy winning Predators. Um, since then, uh, they have failed to advance past the fourth, excuse me, the fourth round, the second round four times. Um, and I was reading um, Mark Lazarus, our Chicago our Chicago reporter, who has a lot more time on his hands right now, um, was writing, wrote a story basically looking at the people involved in the postseason and even some people not involved in the postseason who, who are under the most pressure. And he mentioned Bednar. You know, I, I'm not sure Bednar is, uh, you know, at risk of losing his job. I, I doubt that completely. But just this idea that, as Mark said, the Avalanche have been the champion in waiting for years, and they still have un- been unable to get into the Western Conference final. So if if things don't go well, let's just say, despite everything we've been saying about David Riddick, he goes in in game one and plays the game of his life, and the Predators go up one to nothing on the road. Oh, it, it'll, it, there'll be a lot of puckered rear ends in, in Denver. Exactly. So I, I do think that that is something the Predators could take advantage of. Um, certainly. Um, you know, the other thing, and I, I think you're probably feeling the, w- the same way about this as well. The other thing I see is when we were watching the, the potential Flames Predator season, you know, series preview that almost was, but then wasn't, um, we looked at the physicality and how both teams relished the, you know, the idea of just beating the crap out of each other. The Avalanche certainly have guys who are willing to throw their body around. But they do not play generally the same type of game that the Predators do. Yep. They are a more skilled team than the Predators are, and they lean into that. If the Predators can drag the Avalanche into a proverbial rock fight and make it and, and, and pound the crap out of them, I think they can make things interesting. Again, if you listen to the ad, you heard what I said about where I think this series is going to go. But <laughs> well, I do think well that the, I do think that the Predators can lean if they lean into the physicality. Oh yeah. I think they could they you know, I, I talked to I talked to a, a, a scout um, leading into the playoffs just about what he thought the the Predator ceiling was and he said whichever team is going to play them, win or lose, they're going to they're going to be worse for wear coming out of that series. Mm-hmm. The Avalanche, even if they dominate the series on the scoreboard, it's not going to be a quote-unquote easy series in terms of the toll it could take on them physically. It is, and I think if the Predators lean into that, I think they can they can make things more interesting. So here's a question, and this is I, I am not advocating for dirty play, but if you if you told me that there is going to be a maybe a a penalty or a fight or something where somebody Sissons, Janot, Trennan, more likely goes after Landeskog or McKinnon or Rantanen, especially a couple of those guys that are coming back from injury, and and you maybe takes maybe maybe an overzealous penalty in the first period, maybe a fight, something that induces a fight, let's say, where Colorado has to defend the honor of their star, so to speak, and and challenge those guys and make them think every single time they face the boards and turn their back on an opponent and dive into the corners. I, I'm I'm not I'm not all that upset with it. I'm really not. Like I think you have to pull out all the stops in this, and I'm not advocating for dirty hits. Can it be a penalty and not be dirty, Adam? I think it can be. I think you can you can make a statement, maybe even a penalty, and have it not be dirty. Is that is that fair? Yeah, 
for sure. And I think that's why that maybe hurt I, somebody. <laughs> I think that's why, you know, you look, you look at the likes of Tanner, Janot and Yakov Trenin and Colton Sissons and Mark Borowiecki, you know, a, 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 as players who are going to play important roles in the series um, because of their willingness to be physical. Now, you know, te- you know what what I will find what I find interesting um, is so as we know the Predators uh, were far and away the t- the league leader in fighting majors um, this season. Uh, they were the first team in ten years to eclipse the sixty major mark in a regular season. Now, of course, there have been some shortened seasons in there, but in terms of full seasons, I think eleven twelve was the last time that any team had at least 60 major penalties in the season, which the Predators have. I don't know if they finished. They definitely finished over 60. I don't know the exact number. And fighting is a core fabric. That's the word that John Hines used a couple of weeks ago. I think it was after the San Jose game um, that they won in overtime. That it's a core fabric of their team. If you look historically, majors go down significantly. Regular season to postseason. And fighting in general has gone down significantly. So, you know, how did the Predators walk that line? Because they want to be physical and they want to get in the Avalanche players' face faces. But how do you walk up to that line without crossing it? Because, you know... They, I, that's the, what the, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm okay with... The Avalanche, have, the Avalanche have players on their team that are willing to fight. You know, like, uh, is, it, is it Curtis McDermott? You know, they've got other, you know, I think Logan O'Connor, you know, they've got players that are willing to, to, to get, in, you know, to, to drop the gloves. But the Predators players who do that are more important to them than the yeah, Avalanche right. players are. to the, Like, if Curtis McDermott is not on the ice for five minutes, it's not like Tanner Janot not being on the ice for five minutes. Yeah, that's why I want it to be like Matthew Olivier taking a penalty in the first five minutes <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? Like... But, but I'm okay with crossing the line early because I think you need to set a tone. I think if you're talking about advantages for the Predators and why they're a good underdog, I think, number one, all the pressures on Colorado, you can play loose. N- number two, the way Colorado – I mean, this is sort of another topic here. Colorado defensively, a little lax, not a great penalty kill, and a little lax in the final month to two months of the season defensively. And I think it, on, on top of that, the extra physicality, fighting is at our core fabric. I think these are two or three of the things that make the Predators a very good underdog and capable of taking advantage of some situations. But I think you have to kind of push the boundary on where that line is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested to, to, to see, you know, you know, I'm interested to see what happens in, in that regard. Um, But, you know, you have to, you do have to be careful um, as you said, and look, the avalanche have a player famously Nazem Kadri who tends to get suspended in the postseason, Um, And part of the reason that he was traded from the Maple Leafs to the Avalanche was because the Avalanche, excuse me, the Maple Leafs, I think, were a little tired of it. You know, hasn't they were been, hasn't he been suspended six times or for, for fourteen games in the playoffs or something crazy like that? If you know what, I'd have to go back and look. Um, but he had. I feel like it's it's um, it's a it's a annual occurrence. Wait, wait. Um, okay, I got it. He has been suspended six times for a total of sixteen playoff games and eleven regular season games including a, an eight-game suspension in game two of the playoffs last year. Yes. 16 so, playoff games this dude has been suspended for. So, and he's entering <laughs> a, a contract. This is a contract year for Nazem Kadri. So, 
he might want to make sure that he is available. Um, <laughs> though he has played, he, he's played really well this year, and he's going to get a contract no matter what. But it it it, it should help. So, um, so so here's the recipe: all the pressures on Colorado, the penalty you 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 have to force them into the box. That that is almost your only chance if you're the Predators. You've got to force them to take penalties because you can. This is the best power play we've ever seen. The stars have been good for Nashville in this series, and the penalty kill and the defense is a little questionable right now for Colorado. That that is an area where you have to win this if you want to even challenge for the series at all. You have to you have to have a lot of power play success. They need to be taking penalties. You need to be pressing the issue and playing with physicality and playing loose. Like let them deal with the pressure. Let them deal with the penalty kill. Because we know if these two teams line up five on five, they're just there's just not a, a scenario where Nashville's better, right? Like, unfortunately, no. There there are very few areas of, of you know the the Predators have I think the sixth best power play and the Avalanche have the seventh. Um, so you know the the special teams battle is a little more even than you might think, at least on the power play. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I you know it's. You know, I'm trying. To, I'm doing my best to look at this glass half full, but I'm having a very <laughs> difficult time doing it. Um, you know, I just, you know, I just let, let me let me look. I'm looking at the penalty kill numbers right now. Um, they're they're the sixteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth in the NHL. The two of them. Well, I have the Avalanche is fifteenth. Oh, it's fifteenth, and the Predators at eighteenth. Sorry, yeah, fifteenth, eighteenth. My bad. Yes. So it's and and then you've got Predators at sixth, tied for sixth or tied for fifth. Yep. in power play and uh, Colorado's seventh. So right behind the Predators. So um, here's what I would say about all of these things we're talking about in this matchup. I think that the Nashville Predators are a fantastic underdog pick for a playoff, a, a, like a, not because of 2017, but because of they, the, how they're constructed. I think they are a fantastic underdog and have a great opportunity to win the series. If UC Soros was playing that, that they, they, they would have everything you would need to be considered a great underdog, a high level goalie star power. That's performing well, a great power play, uh, you, you know, sound defensive structure, generally like physicality, youthful exuberance, no pressure at all. Like every single thing that you would want to see in an underdog, they have it except for the number one, most important thing, which is their star goaltender on the bench right now. That That's my issue with this matchup. I think we're going to go through like rapid fire first round predictions, but to your point about the, the odds um, that the predators are, are, are facing, this is according to Caesar Sportsbook. I just want to put it in perspective. The Colorado avalanche are the top choice to win the Stanley cup. This is from ESPN, our, our, our friend, Greg Wyshynski. Uh The avalanche are the top choice to win the cup at plus three thirty, followed by the Panthers at plus five fifty. These are the other teams. The Flames are at plus 750. The Maple Leafs are at plus 1,000. The Hurricanes and Lightning are plus 1,100. The Wild Bruins and Rangers are plus 1,600. Oilers plus 1,800. Blues plus 2,000. I would put some money on that, even though I'm not a betting man. That's not a bad idea. No, you're right on that. Penguins at plus 2,000. Washington at plus 4,000. Dallas, Nashville, and LA at plus 5,000. Yeah, it's... It's not a pretty picture right now. I'm gonna put. I would put some money on the Blues. I'm just saying. I, I'm with you on that one. I'm I'm totally with you on that one because I like how they match up against Minnesota for sure. So tell me. So tell me this: If the Predators were to win the Stanley Cup at plus five thousand odds, if I put down a hundred dollars, how much do I win? 
uh, times 500, I think, right? Is it 500 or 5,000? Well, it's it, it would be... You, you said you put how much down? $100 down? $100 down on the Predators to win the Stanley Cup at plus 5,000 odds. Yeah, that's that sounds right. So that would so would I win fifty thousand? Would I win five hundred thousand dollars? No, that's what I'm saying. It's five hundred. It's it, you take oh. the you take the zero off basically. Okay, this I don't is, know. This is two non-gambling experts, by this the way. This is why I, this is why I don't gamble. But yeah. it seems for those of you who do like to gamble, St. Louis at plus two thousand seems like a pretty good bet. I, I, that's that's the direction I would go to. Um, all right, so we'll give you Stanley Cup picks here in just a minute. And again, we made our picks for the series already. Go back and check that out if you missed it. Um, all right, so I think we've laid out all the possible ways that this glass is like a third full, I think. Um, yeah. Is there anything else we missed? What what lineups, is there anything particular in the lineups that you want to see? Again, like Colorado hasn't, they don't have like fully established defense pairings. And again, the defense has been questionable of late. So there's, again, we can kind of make some, we can like shoehorn in some hope here <laughs> into the podcast. But what, what are the lineup? What are the what's the lineup you want to see for Nashville on offense? For, forget the defense and the goaltending. We talked about that, but what about the forwards? Because they have been very good in this series against Colorado, and certainly Matt Duchesne has a lot of a lot of extra stuff to play for in this series. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would like to see a return to the Forsberg Johansson Duchesne line, Ooh. Um, Ooh. which we haven't seen in a while. I just look at I you know I. It's hard to, you know, it's it's hard because we talked about this on previous podcasts. There are two players who have been noticeably noticeably absent from the score sheet this this season that I think have played a big role in the Predators being where they are. Ellie Tolvanen and Luke Cunnan. Now, I, I think Tolvanen is certainly more is made more for a series like this than he would be a series against the the Flames. Case in point, when they played the Flames last week. Tolvanen was out. Matthew Olivier was in, um, if I recall correctly. Um, So I think Tolvanen is made more for this kind of series than Matthew Olivier. Olivier. Cunning, you would think, talking about all of the things we talked about, he is is a, a shit stirrer, but he has been a liability on the ice, specifically when it comes to taking penalties. So if Cunning can find the form of himself, that was great in the second half of last season. And, of course, we know Luke Cunningham scored a big overtime goal for the Predators in the playoffs last season against the Carolina Hurricanes. If if he can find that form all of a sudden, I think that changes things a little bit. Again, you heard my prediction. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not that, I'm not that high on the Predators in this series. I also would like to make the, this, this disclaimer, as our listeners know, that I am terrible at making predictions. <laughs> I predicted the Predators would miss the playoffs. That was obviously wrong. I, I picked Luke Cunning, speaking of Luke Cunning, to be the team's leading goal scorer this season. Wrong. It's okay. So I, it's so, okay. It's okay. So I, I am terrible at making predictions. So keep that in mind. It's okay. But it's I do okay. think that a, 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 a resurgent Luke Cunning could make a little bit of a difference in this series, especially if you're going to shoehorn him into a top six role, it, which and, he hasn't really played that well this year to deserve. And Tanner Janot needs to get back to form. I, I think he's. I think he went scoreless the last twelve games, right? Yes, he was without a point in his final twelve games of the season. Yeah, so they'll need to. 
They'll, they'll need to do something about that. All right, so this leads us perfectly into our predictions. Both of us did not have this team making the playoffs. So we, we touched on this last week on the show. Let's have a little bit more of a conversation about defining success or failure for the Nashville Predators' competitive rebuild as coined by David Poyle when they made massive changes by getting rid of you know, Victor Arvidsson and Ryan Ellis and, 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 acquire, and bringing up a bunch of young players and letting them play and you know, all the things that we've talked about with this competitive rebuild, defining success or failure. And we touched on it a little bit last week because you and I maybe view this a little differently. And you think there needs to be some sort of performance-based evaluation of this team in the postseason, even though they don't have UC Soros and they're going up against the best team in the Western Conference. I think that they have already accomplished the success. Like the fact that we get to watch them in the playoffs and, and enjoy a playoff series, even if it's just one win, or two wins, or whatever it might be, and, and a Colorado victory, and an advancement, I think the most important thing for this Predators franchise is A, they made the playoffs, and B, they learn what it's like to be playing in the playoffs. I think it's more important that they are there. This is like a bowl game, Adam, for a team in college football. It's more important that you are in the bowl game than if you win it. Now, I know that's not the same in the playoffs in professional sports. Fans want a victory. I get it. I don't think they have a chance without UC Soros. But if you're asking me to step back and look at a three to four year window on Predators hockey and where it is going, I do not think you can do anything but define this season as a successful one when you have two 40 goal scorers, the first in franchise history. Roman Yossi sets a record and could win a Norris trophy with whatever it is, 96 points or whatever, 95 points. You've got Mikhail Granlin tied Paul Correa's assist record. You've got all these young players that have developed. UC Saros has proven that he's the, the backstop they need. Uh, to me, this is already a massive successful rebuild, but they have to use this playoff series as a lesson to continue to get better next year, in my opinion. Do you have any, like, give me a counterpoint to all of that. Well, when the Avalanche, when the Avalanche lost to the Predators, you referenced this earlier, when the Avalanche lost to the Predators in 2018, those of us who watched that series closely could see Watching that Avalanche team, this team's got something. You know, McKinnon and Landeskog and Rantanen, fantastic players. You know, I don't think Kel McCarr was on the team back then. Um, probably not. Um, then again, I, I barely remember what day it is. It is Monday. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, they had younger players that were, that they needed that experience. You know, they the core of their team the, did not have playoff experience if you look at McKinnon and Ranton and Landeskog specifically. Um, what's different is this team does have experience. Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg. They've all been there. We, they've been to the postseason. So, you know, this is the eighth consecutive year that the team has participated in the postseason, including the bubble. Um, they have that experience. Um but they're also not players on this team that you look at like, you know, I'm trying to think of who the young guy, like, like Sam Girard, you know, of course, traded from the Predators to the Avalanche. He was young in that series against the Predators. He's had a ton of experience since then. Yes, you have players like Janot and Trennan and Carrier who are getting this experience, but they are not on the same level as, as Girard was then. And even the, the top players on the Avalanche were at the time. Um, this team has gotten younger. Yes, but I don't see, I don't see the, you know, I don't think that if this team gets, 
eliminated in five, in five games or in, you know, five or six games or whatever. You know, I, I don't think you have that same conversation. Like, you know, this team needed that experience. They, they, this is what it takes to win. The veteran players on this team should have that already because they've been here and done that in terms of getting to the postseason, winning series, winning game sevens on the road, getting to the Stanley Cup final. They've done that. This is the conversation you could have had with this team after they lost to Chicago in 2015, after they lost to San Jose in 2016, I guess even after they lost to the Penguins in 2017. I don't think you can have that conversation anymore. Um, this, there, how many people are on this? How many players are, are were on any of those teams? Ryan Johansson? Roman Yossi? For what? Philip Forsberg. That's it. For which? For all three of those rounds? For I guess, all three of those? Well, no, not all of them. Even just like the 17 and 18 teams. Let's just go 17, 18, 19. Like you've got what? Ekholm, Forsberg, Yossi, and and that's and Johansson. That's about it. Colton, Colton Sissons, Matias. Yeah, but Colton, but Colton, no, no, I said Ekholm, but Sissons okay. isn't the reason you like. I'm not worried about. I'm talking about the other half of the roster. <laughs> this is what I this is this is a typical conversation that if you if you are a half glass half glass I always say this glass half empty Predators fan a cynical Predators fan. This is the most common thing you have said or I have heard you say. This team had so much success individually this season. Roman Yossi, Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, Mikhail Granlin, Tanner Janelle, UC Saros. And it still took them until the 80th game of the season to clinch a playoff spot barely. Yeah, no, I know. You know, that is so like... Can you, like, what is the plan? That is the question that I think, like, to me, competitive rebuild, or as they as David Poyle and John Hines later edited it, to, edited it to, competitive transition, which we don't mention enough because competitive rebuild was a self-inflicted wound by David Poyle. Or, or it was exactly what they were going to do. <laughs> it's, basically, it's basically GM speak for treading water. Like that's you know, oh, but this, but there no, but there's a whole roster turnover though, right? But you lose Pecorina, you you change. I no, I, I I get all that. You lose Pecorina, you lose Ryan Ellis, you lose Victor Arvidsson, you lose Cali Yarncroft. I I get that, but when you look at you know one example of a team that sort of like that successfully did this rebuild on the fly, the Boston Bruins, but they had David Pasternak coming up, they had Charlie McAvoy. Coming up, they had a core with with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, and at the time, like David Krejci and Tuukka Rask, they had that. But they had those young superstars in the making in Pasternak and McAvoy, and I'm probably forgetting somebody. But those are the two that come to mind. So even when they were missing the playoffs, they still, you know, these players are going to become something. The Predators do not have any young players on their roster that come close to matching the potential of David Pasternak no, and Charlie McAvoy. And listening to you say this, it's like, well, but pre- the Predators have, have introduced a lot of very young, talented pieces to, to their starting lineup in the last year, year and a half. And that's Alex yes. Carrier, Dante Fabro, uh, Yakov Trenin, uh, y- you know, um, Janot, Ellie Tolvanen. Like there's so many yeah. good, and Tomasino is now a piece that, Dominic again, Tomasino is another yeah. one that, I, Ellie Tolvanen and Tomasino are two that I want to see learn a lot from this series but to your point 
while those are some of the best prospects we've seen for the Predators in a while, and they all seem like very good, solid building block pieces for the future and the next generation of Predators hockey, this is just sort of what feels like the Predators have to deal with at all times, which is they just don't have the same... I don't know if it's David Poyle, if it's the front office, or if it's the style of player they go after. Maybe it's being too good to have a top pick, you know, those kind of things. Like, they just never seem to have the Austin Matthews guy. <laughs> like, well, because, you're, like you're talking about. I mean, we always talk about this. When you when you go to the NHL.com and you sort by uh, goals from or points from forwards or goals from forwards, and then you go to bio information and sort them by when they were drafted, it's always number one pick, number two pick, number four pick. You know, there are occasional outliers. You know, Johnny Goudreau, I believe, was a second round pick. He was, or maybe even, but a not, but not a top it. ten pick, is what. Right, he was. But if the Predators are to get that type of player, they have to commit to a full rebuild, which they are not willing to do. Know. You know, I, you know, it's funny. In hindsight, you know, don't maybe, you dare, don't you dare. In hindsight, hear me, hear me out. Don't I think you, you know, dare. Then they should have traded Forsberg. Then they should have traded Forsberg. No, no, that's not where I'm going. In hindsight, (laughs) the best, the I think you can make an argument that the worst thing that happened, well, not worst thing, but a bad thing that happened to this Predators organization was them making the playoffs last season. Oh God! If if they would have continued to play the way they were playing in the first half of last season, who knows? It would have been blown up. Yeah. And even then, it was sort of. Bl- I mean, it, look, they they made big moves. I mean, the like trading Ryan Ellis and Victor Arvidsson are not small things in that dressing room. And Pecorino retiring. And Pecorino retiring, and Kelly Yarncroke yeah. going to the Seattle Kraken. Those are not small things. That, that's half of your core from the seventeen eighteen run. Right. Basically, I'm just wondering, like, the Predators are have never been a team that spends, you know, spends significant money in free agency. It says something that in terms of the cap hit, I believe that Matthew Shane is the biggest free agent signing in Predators history in terms of how much money per year they gave Matthew Shane on average. That says something. Um, they're not a t- you know, they're, and, you know, and, I don't and he know. makes about half as much as Connor McDavid. <laughs> but Connor McDavid has 130 points. No, I, that's my point. That's my point. So it's just like they're playing, they're playing, they've played small ball since they became a team in this league. I think that's, I think, you know, the Predators, you know, if UC Soros is unavailable for this series, the Predators have a built in excuse yep. that we didn't have our all star goaltender. But even if they did, they probably still wouldn't have won. And I think it's getting time, you know, I think that we've no, talked see, a lot so, about so Adam, this is what happened this year. They built themselves some expectations and pressure for next year. That's what this is. Okay, so under no, so look, I it's what's funny is this. I I have you know people who have listened to this show know that I I I give John Hines a lot of credit for where this team is specifically in terms of being able to handle adversity. I I do expect a, I do expect John Hines to be back as coach of the Nashville Predators next season, oh, whether sure. it's on one year option that he has that the team has or an extension. I think pro, I, I think. You know, I would lean towards the option versus giving him several years, you know, but it's getting to, you know, you know, we've talked a lot about how this team operates, that we've got David Poyle speaking for hockey 
operations, Sean Henry speaking for the business side of things and sort of being a conduit from the ownership group to the fan base. I, I respect both of those men greatly. They have become unreliable narrators to a large portion of this fan base. So if this team loses in the postseason with or without UC Soros, and we hear David Poyle, you know, we hear David Poyle talk about the season, and maybe Sean. I mean, Sean Henry probably won't, but if he were to be asked, he would talk about this, you know, the success that they they think they've had this season. And yeah. look, it yeah. has been all a success the things, season. all the things that I said about the rebuild, is, yes. what they, is what they would say. Yeah, yes, all of which are true. I, I, I do believe that a large portion of this fan base has tuned out the things that they say, and I'm, I'm fine. With, I'm fine with. I don't have any yeah. problem with fans doing that so right, right now is, so we'll, we'll see what happens but my argument against yours is that yeah it took them 80 games despite having the greatest in, yep. greatest individual seasons in franchise history on multiple fronts to make the playoffs and there you know there are like you said a lot of young players a lot of solid depth pieces on this team but no one that you can point to and say soon enough this player is going to be a star you know, there's no Pasternak, there's no McAvoy, there's no McKinnon, Lannis, Dagoranton. I, I know that, and that's a problem. So, so you know, I, that's my counter argument. I, I think it's a great. I think it's totally fair. And if Preds fans, if they lose in four or five games, and they look at last year's Carolina series, which was incredibly, you know, dr- dramatic and and competitive to a game six, it's easy to say, well, they didn't. They took a step back, even though we knew a competitive rebuild was designed to take a step back. I think here's the key. If you're going to be on my side of this equation and say, look, I think they've already achieved success based on what expectations were, then you what you then have to do by saying that, which is, again, probably to your point, company line from Sean Henry and David Poyle. And if, if you if you're going to if you're going to be OK with what I'm saying, which is that they've already achieved success, then you have to then elevate all of your expectations for and benchmarks for success the following year, which means which means making the playoff as a wild card isn't good enough next year. Which means losing the first round isn't good enough next year. If this isn't tr- if it, if the competitive part of this rebuild, because they've already done the rebuild part, now they need to do the competitive part, which they've done somewhat this year, in my opinion. But that means you have you are required to elevate expectations the next season, which means next year you better be a three seed or better, or a two seed or better, and you better make it to the second round at least. So you have to continue to if you're going to be okay with the growth and progress and bank on John Hines making Matt Duchesne better and Ryan Johansson better and all the young players developing and the transition from Pekka to Saros and all the things that, that sort of are a big part of the switch, the, the transition of this franchise, you then have to be willing to put pressure on everyone next season. And that's what I, that's where I fall. I, I fall in, I think they've done a pretty good job making this big transition, losing all their core pieces and, and trying to change who they are. But now that they've done the changing there needs to be growth. There needs to be potential and there needs to be expectations. That's how I would look at it. Fair enough. Sound Why good? don't we make our, let's make our general NHL Stanley cup playoff predictions and like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I here, here's the only one I really feel good about. I think Tampa's going to beat Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine like Toronto? Here's the thing, you know, Toronto had a fabulous season. Here's your reward. I know. Playing the two time defending Stanley cup champions. So we are we both picked Colorado to advance, which means they'll play the winner of St. Louis and Minnesota. I'm picking St. Louis to win that series. I would not oh, be surprised is, to see St. Louis beat Colorado as well and get to the is, Western Conference is Finals. The, 
this series, I think, is the hardest one to predict, Blues and Wild. Really? Um, I think an argument could be made for Hurricanes and Bruins. That's that's the I one think, I was going to say is the hardest one. But I one. think that Blue, look, the Blues, we saw what the Blues can do. The Wild are a very good defensive team. They, they're steadier in net now with Marc-Andre Fleury and Cam Talbot. I, I think this series is going to be incredibly tight. I, I look forward to watching it. Um, I think I'm still like you. I think I'm going to give the edge to the Blues. Let's just do first round predictions right now. Okay. So, um, so, so I'm going to give the edge to the Blues. I'm going to say I'm going to say Blues in seven. I'm going to say this one goes to distance. Okay. I, I like the Blues in six as, uh, there. Calgary and Dallas. I think Dallas does actually match up well with Calgary, but I think they're they're just there's too many questions on that team from yes. an age standpoint, goaltending, consistency. Again, I think they match up well physicality wise, but I think Calgary's too big and and, and too good. So I'll take Calgary. I'm going to take Calgary as well. I'm going to I'm going to say five games. Calgary over Dallas in five. I I agree. I also think Edmonton because the Kings are a heavy 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 underdog, which I was a little surprised at, but I'll take Edmonton to finally get something done. I I'm going to go with Edmonton and I'm going to go with Edmonton in six. Okay. Um, I'm on board there. Look, the Kings are a, the Kings like the Kings are a good example of what I was talking about. Like the Kings do have young players on their team that, you know, have more of an impact than some of the Predators' younger players have made. Um, but, you know, they still have the nucleus of the championship-winning teams, Andre Kopitar. Yeah. Uh, Drew yeah. Doughty is not uh, – Drew Doughty is out, which is not helpful at all. Um, but, you know, maybe Jonathan Quick sips from the fountain of youth from 10 years ago. Who the <laughs> hell knows? But I, I still think that this the Oilers finally get over the first first-round schneid, and I think they win in six games. Uh, I will take Florida over Washington and Tampa over Toronto in the upset. I will take, I will take, okay. I am predicting one sweep in this, uh, in this first round and it's Florida over Washington. Cool. That's, um, da- that's a bold prediction. Dangerous. I to do think that. that, I think that the Panthers, we know, okay. The, the question is, can a team that scores a ton of goals, can it translate to the postseason? Uh, it can when the team of uh, the team you're facing has terrible goaltending. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think, look, you, it's hard to count out a team that has Alex Ovechkin on it, but I, I still think that the players that this team, that that team relies on the most, namely TJ Oshie and Nick Backstrom have not had the seasons that they're accustomed to having. Um, and, and, and the Capitals are going into the postseason with some injury questions about Alex Ovechkin. Um, so I don't think it's I don't think it's a certainty that he plays in game one. I don't think he's ever missed a playoff game for the franchise. But um, I, I think the Panthers are on a roll. They won the President's Trophy. I think this is a quick and painless series for the Florida Panthers. I have them in four. Um, the, the Lightning are plus eleven hundred to win the Stanley Cup, which makes them fifth out of fourteen teams. They are a wild card team. Um, look, the Lightning found their mojo um, near the end of the season. Um, Look, I think this is going to be a great series. Yeah, I, I think agree. it's going to be must-see television. I agree. Um, but I, I, you know, have the Lightning played too many playoff games in recent years? Um, yeah, will that catch up to them? I think it will, but not in this series. I, that's 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 how I, I think. I too. think I think it's going to be Lightning in six. Uh, honestly, this is a really interesting. Like every underdog in this series in this in the Eastern Conference is a, is like a basically a Cup champion. So we've got with, two with, yeah, with, with like with like elite stuff. cup champ. It's all the new blood in the East facing the old. I think the Eastern Conference playoffs are far more interesting. <laughs> yes, they are. So we've got two more series to predict. We have the Pittsburgh Penguins against the New York Rangers and the Boston Bruins versus the Carolina. Bruins. I'll take I'll take the Rangers and Boston. 
I'll take. I'm going to take the Rangers because of Igor Shosturkin. Yep. Uh, who we talk about bad goaltending. He is the antithesis of bad goaltending. Um, I will say this because we're not allowed to. We're not. We 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 in the Professional Hockey Writers Association uh, submitted our NHL awards ballots. They were due today, Monday. I can't tell you how it panned out because we were told to wait. But Igor Shosturkin was on my Hart Trophy ballot. Um, I, I think that he, you know, he he's been absolutely incredible. And look, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, they always have a chance. But yep. I think the yep. I think the goaltending for the Rangers gets them over it. I'm gonna say Rangers in six. Um, when it comes to the Hurricanes and Bruins, I think the Bruins have been like the 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 thorn in the Hurricane side in the past couple of postseasons. Last season, notwithstanding, because they were in separate divisions. Um, there are some questions in goal. Uh, Freddie Anderson, who was fabulous for the Hurricanes this season, will not start the series. Antti Ranta is starting game one for the Hurricanes. Uh, I think the Bruins are a, a really good team. Um, I'm just wondering if the if Freddie Anderson being unavailable, I mean, he might be available at some point in the series, but I'm wondering if the Bruins can take advantage early on. Yep. Um, I'm going to say Bruins in seven. Um but all right. it, so we basically uh, uh, agree on all eight series. <laughs> is there any series we did not agree I on? I don't think so. I think we picked. Okay, so, we both let, picked so, I'm just, so we picked. So we both picked. I'm looking just based on the schedule. So we both picked Bruins over Hurricanes. Yep. We both picked Lightning over Leafs. Uh-huh. We both picked Blues over Wild. Yep. We both picked Oilers over Kings. Yep. Rangers over Penguins. Yep. Panthers over Capitals. Yep. Avalanche over Predators. Here's what here's what you need to do, Predators fans. Take comfort in the fact that we agree on everything, which means none of it's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> so that is that is your that is your final note here on the show as we preview well, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's say one more thing: if okay. they're of, of the teams that are heavy underdogs, which team do you think has the greatest opportunity to pull off an upset? Honestly, and this is not Homer talk here. If UC Saros was healthy, I would I would I would think that Nashville has a very good chance to make a run. They are going to okay. be a very dangerous team to play against in this in this in this playoff run. But I think the Saros thing is just what kills them. Like, I honestly, so no one's going to remember this, and I'd have, it would take me forever to dig up the receipts, but I was on the air doing my morning show with Fitzy during the 17 run, and I said, on the air, the morning of game one, I said, whoever wins this series is going to go to the Stanley Cup. And, and everyone thought I was crazy. Everyone was picking Chicago. I was picking Chicago. But what I said was every, I said, the winner of this series is going to go. And if UC Saros was healthy, I would say that the winner of this series would go to the cup. I honestly think the Predators could, if they were to get through Colorado, they have the, the things you need to make a run. And I frankly don't love the Western Conference. I don't look around and see a bunch of dominant teams. Like I see some okay teams. And if you got through Colorado, the, you'd have a chance to win every series after that. And so the, it's, it's the, the Eastern Conference that's much tougher. The Predators' best chance of making a run in this postseason would have been twofold. If UC Soros was healthy, and they would have drawn Calgary. Because I think they could have beaten Calgary. And we talked about this you know, before we knew what the playoffs were going to look like. That I don't mind the matchup. I don't mind the matchup. They're more I physical mean, than Colorado. Them, but also, like, I think, I mean, you the Kings and the Oilers are a quote-unquote easier matchup than the, light, the, the Lightning, than the Blues or the Wild. So yeah, if they would have, they play they so well against Minnesota. Like that doesn't that series doesn't scare me. Just like Edmonton, like I'd rather play Minnesota than Edmonton in the second mm-hmm. round. Maybe, 
They've played very well against against Minnesota. And Again, they can't, well, I mean, if, if if the Predators played the Oilers in the playoffs, Leon Dreisaitl would score. Like, I, I know. I know. So St. St. Louis is your longest long shot that I like to win the Cup. So Kings, Stars, Capitals, Predators are the bottom four. If you go to the Blues at 11th, that would be the only team I would say has a chance to win the whole thing. And they're okay. plus 2,000, like you said. So the Blues are the one, and that's a 3C. That's not like a... A wild, you know what I mean? That's not a wild card. I don't think any of the wild card teams. I think the Lightning are the wild card team to pick, but they are they are a top four or five Vegas odds to win it, so they're not a long shot technically. Yeah, it's uh, so there you go. Yep. All right, man. Um, great stuff. We'll be back. A little short form pod like we did last year after each game. We'll try to give you some stuff on the next on the morning after each game, and um, obviously those late starts are going to be wonderful. <laughs> Gotta love those eight thirty start times. Uh, here in God's time in the Central Time Zone. Adam, pay for good journalism. Uh, or folks, pay for good journalism. Follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Bingen. I mean, I do pay for good journalism you do. on other, you on do. other websites. So. <laughs> you do. Go to Jasper's, of course, free parking, great drink specials for all your Preds games. Even those late starts, they'll take care of you guys. So make sure you check out Jasper's, our great sponsor. Show some support to our wonderful friends over on West End. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Make sure you check out all the YouTube pages as well. Subscribe to all the buttons. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you guys all for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday. His name's Adam. My name's Braden. We'll talk to you soon, guys. This has been the Gold Standard Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network.